0: listening to Over the Oxer podcast with Tracy Cole for all things to do with the mind for equestrians. Well, I'm absolutely delighted today to welcome a really special lady. This is a podcast chat with Christine Olsen and Christine has dedicated her career to nurturing harmonious connections between horses and their riders. What she does is that she teaches fundamental principles that bring about confidence and trust in both the horse and the rider. She has a really solid foundation in equitation, so that's her background. And as a certified riding instructor with the American Riding Instructors Association, she's also able to bring about that horse-human bond She has lots of other strings for her bow as well. She's an equine sports massage therapist, and she writes for the Riding Instructor magazine. She's also written a fabulous book, The Five Senses of Horsemanship, which we're going to talk much more about. I'm going to get a quick plug in for it right now because I think it's well worth a read. So it's The Five Senses of Horsemanship, Turning Human Sense into Horse Sense. It's available on Amazon, and I highly, highly recommend it. Welcome, Christine. Thanks ever so much for coming on to this podcast. Hi, Tracy. Thanks for having me on here this morning. (laughs) So can you show the inspiration behind your book and how your experiences with horses led you to write about it
1: absolutely you know the inspiration I think our horses whether we own them for riders we're caregivers you know our horses are just such a huge source of inspiration for us my i Write about this mare, a bunch of my books. Annabelle, she was my first horse to go blind. And I I remember this moment so vividly. We're in the lean to it was a kind of a you know, a misty day. And this was near the end of her life. And she just I, I had this voice fill my head that said, share my story with the world. And, you know, where, where this voice came from, who knows, but it, <laughs> it was her. And I thought, you know, okay, like, sure. <laughs> I didn't know two years later I was going to write this book at the time, but that's kind of what slowly led this to happen. All All the little stories have kind of led up to this point. All all the experiences with horses, I I haven't touched too much about it in the book, but I started kind of, you know, taking lessons, not very discipline specific, but I did show hunters. Then I got into racehorses, which was always a dream of mine when I was young. I watched a video of Secretariat and thought, yeah, I'm going to ride a horse just like that. I never did, (laughs) rode some fast ones, but you know, there, there is no other secretariat. But just kind of any opportunity I had with a horse has taught me something, whether it was dressage, saddle seat, playing polo, you know, the barrel racing, whatever it was, it was an opportunity to be with horses and I never wanted to turn anything down. Because you can learn from any horse. And I know so many individuals that have stayed in one discipline and it, it works for them and it's fine. For me, I love horses and I don't see them as being discipline specific. All right. So,
0: yeah. yeah. So it's not just that you've gone from different disciplines, but you've taken the same horse. To different disciplines
1: Mm
0: as well. Oh, great. Yeah. Yes. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But you've done, I mean, your list is so impressive with the the polo, the racing, the barrel racing. I mean, you've just done a little bit of everything. That's fantastic. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And it, it can be quite limiting because then when you see a horse with maybe a behavioral issue, if you can find resources maybe someone else has, it can just kind of expand the knowledge base a little bit when you look outside.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. I love that. And I I love that a lot of this has opened up or made more sense, or that's how it seems to me, through your blind horses. Now, they were Completely blind, weren't they? It wasn't that they just
1: lost sight in one eye. They lost. Yeah, it was a gradual blindness, but eventually, yes, they lost vision in both eyes. And
0: through that, I suppose, your book delves into the work of sensory perception and its role in horsemanship. How did your horse's blindness influence your understanding of sensory perception?
1: it it opened my world to so much more. Mm-hmm. So talking about that older mare, Sanibel again, she was a bit of a flighty horse, like right from the first day I got her very, very misunderstood her whole life. <laughs> she, you know, she was that spooky mare that no one wanted at their barn because she was difficult to manage And you working with her for so many years, I just kind of learned how to work with her. But once she became blind and was running through a fence or maybe like running into things in the barn, I had to up my game a whole bunch because those behaviors now turned lethal. So I had to put myself in a position where I said, okay, if I couldn't see, how would I navigate?
0: Yeah.
1: And suddenly, you know, you blindfold yourself in the barn, it's a whole different wor- world. It is a completely different experience. You you hear things you didn't know existed. You you feel the the topography of the arena totally differently. It was just a crazy experience when I put myself you know in her shoes to say yeah and when I went back to working with her I couldn't think about what I was looking at because she wasn't looking at anything mm. it it just totally changed how I how I perceived that and worked with her moving forward when I worked with any horse I had to say, okay, there could be other factors going on here. What you know, and and we hear and smell totally different than horses do. But I could at least try to be aware of all those other factors that could be playing an influence in what's going on.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: and that was what I was going to ask you that
0: when you'd worked with Sanibel and you worked so differently and had to think completely outside of the box, did that then influence how you
1: worked with all your other horses or any other horse you came into contact with? Mm-hmm. Some horses I found were definitely more sensitive maybe to sounds or smells. or They, they all do have kind of their own you know, you know little things that they lean on. But what's interesting too, I started to think about the riders and maybe some yeah. riders kind of lean more towards one sense over the other. It's like, wow, this, this is really complex here. I have to start making yeah. a chart to track. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that because you know, in your book you mentioned the the riders who lean on their visual, and they're, they're always looking down. And it's like they've got this this chronic thing about needing to look down all the time. And I suppose in that case, then you're looking at helping them to almost rediscover their other senses to counterbalance a little bit. So, In amongst all of this and all your experiences with horses in terms of helping riders, helping yourself, working with your other horses, you've also got your equine massage. So obviously that's bringing in all the touch sense.
1: What has that experience been like? I thought, you know, just kind of reading a few books and doing it on my own. But then I wanted to get really educated in it because as I was feeling more, I was like, well, I, I want to know what I'm feeling. So mm. I studied that a little bit more. And my my horse is definitely benefited. it. Red enjoys her massages. Definitely. <laughs> she was a very happy student. <laughs> you know, just finding those things are, are great ways of kind of enhancing, you know, your own, you know, the the own, you know, lack of perceptions that we have. You can find little ways of getting that done.
0: Yeah. I love that what you've been talking about is very mindful. Especially the work that you did with Sanabel on the ground and also the equine massage is is getting you into a zone, into a kind of mindful state. And it's something that you mention again in your book. You mention mindful strategies. Could you share a few examples of mindful strategies so that riders can get an even better connection with their horses
1: absolutely i'm a journaler i love journaling writing things down i think it's a great way of getting connected to your thoughts and really being honest and discovering them so that is you know one of my favorites absolutely Another one of my favorites for myself and for my riders is taking the time to breathe, especially at the mounting block, those steps prior, maybe when you're on the mounting block, and especially after you mount your horse, take the time to take a nice, solid, deep breath. Usually we're so busy working with our horses and doing, doing, we don't take the time to stop and breathe. And that's so important to staying inside your body,, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so that's a very powerful one,
0: yeah and and it, it, like you say, it just helps you to just stop the busyness that you know mm-hmm. that you you've come to ride and you brought all your busy thoughts and your heads full of, and you're thinking about work and family and things that's happened, and like you say. Standing just on the mountain block. I love that. Nice deep breath and kind of exhale it all out. You're with your horse now. Mm -hmm. You're on a different time zone. What do you think would be a good way for somebody to start journaling? Somebody who's never journaled before, doesn't really know what to write, doesn't know if they're doing it correctly. What would you say?
1: I, I would say there is no correct or incorrect way to journal. Yeah. That it's definitely a you know a unique thing for everyone. I know some people like to have journal prompts. So maybe if you don't know where to start, having a journal prompt is a way to get you going. Yeah. I, I'm a mess. I just scribble. I have a journal, but I also scribble on any piece of paper that I can find. <laughs> I'm a mess. I'm a messy journaler and I'm okay with that.
0: Do you personally do you go back and read what you've written?
1: I I have, but not all
0: the time. Yeah, yeah. So I think people are unsure. Well, what do I do with the journal once I've written it? Is it just that I've got got it out of my system, or I'm brought in some awareness, or do Mm -hmm. I
1: use it for something? (laughs) Right. Yeah, sometimes, you know, I I just need to write something down and other times it's it, it is kind of fun to look back. I remember my first journals when I first bought my horse was I did read that one and yeah. what a what a mess that journal was. <laughs> yeah, but it really showed how far I had come, you know, after and when I had brought back like wow like we we really shaped up didn't we 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 weren't here anymore so it was fun to look back
0: yeah yeah and i i mean that that is it's obviously spoken about in your book about that that journey with both of your horses and do you think i don't know how to really express this but it's almost like those horses found you for a reason. Do you do you believe that?
1: I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I do know and, and I this was a recent conversation I did have. I, I guess I'll share this story. My veterinarian was out at the farm the other day and he had a you know a, a student with him and he thought you know he would just go ahead and show his student Red and her eye, and just kind of explain like, oh hey, like working with a blind horse, and yeah, you know, it was a good educational moment. And he he had known her, my mare, since I had her. Red, you know, I bred her, so he's known her her whole life. Yeah, but he also had mentioned, you know, not every blind horse is going to be like this. This this horse is special, and. You know, we kind of delve into the conversation like, you know, most blind horses you don't work with because they get put down.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he also knew Sanibel and said, you know, if if Christine didn't own Sanibel, that mare would have been one of those put down. Yeah. Because he also knew her as a behavioral child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, were we put together for a reason? You know, (laughs) perhaps.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because
0: it just seems very special that, like you say, most people, the thought of having a totally blind horse, when you start to really think about the practicalities of how that horse is going to be and the potential hazards, and and, and like you say, she was... (laughs) A little challenging to say the least so it needs a very special person to you know have that kind of horse and then to have the the second horse red who also went blind it's it's almost like these horses were drawn to you in in some way just because they you know the, the, they had something to give and you had something to give yeah that's just how it strikes me um mm-hmm. so when you're thinking about the horses that you work with, and obviously you you had this experience of these blind horses, but that, that communication with any horse is, is really pivotal, pivotal, isn't it, with their rider. How does grasping a horse's sensory perception offer a fresh perspective on
1: communication strategies? Uh, well, it goes back to you know expanding your your view. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about communication with our horses, usually it's a you know talking to horses through our seat, in our legs, you know through the a- the aids, when yeah. we're riding. But communication really is an exchange of information. So when we expand, That view to thinking like what are they hearing, what are they, you know, are they are they hungry? What are they tasting? What are they, you know, feeling in the ground? Are they going downhill, uphill? We start to understand their world so much differently, in in a bigger view. It just enhances our communication so much more because we have more information. Do you think?
0: You know, somebody who's coming into this brand new, they're not too sure where to start. Would you say, as in your book, you go through each sense one by one? Do you think that would be quite a valuable way for somebody to examine it, to think, well, I'm going to think about sight today or this week or this month? and then to move on to something else. And do you think that would be a good way of doing it rather than a sort of global, I'm going to think about what the horse
1: is sensing? Absolutely. Doing doing one at a time, focusing on one at a time is definitely the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And is there any...
0: Do you think there's any set way of doing this, or is there a sense
1: that you would say, "Oh, start with this one. This one's a bit easier I you know everyone again is an individual and may lean to finding things easier or more challenging. Mm-hmm. So I, I know a lot of people ask me about taste, like yeah. how was I gonna bring taste in? Some people might find that a a big challenge. I didn't find that too big of a challenge. I, I for many years, pretty much lived at the barn. So I was eating a lot at the barn. You know, I, I don't, you know, not associate the barn with food, but some people might be completely against thinking about food at the barn mm-hmm. or, or what they're tasting. So that one might be more challenging to someone else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Do you think, again, I'm thinking about somebody beginning this exploration, would it be good for them to consider themselves, the the sense in themselves, first of all, how much am I leaning on such and such, and then do it with their horse and think about it from the horse perspective? How how would you begin that?
1: I, I think... For some people, they might be more aware of themselves and it might be easier.
0: Yeah.
1: I actually think it's more fun to figure it out for the horse because yeah. I'm yeah. horse centric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would rather think about the horse than myself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is awful to admit, but it's true. No, I think that's great. I think that's lovely. Yeah. So it's, it's more fun to think about the horse. And then once I have that sorted out, then, you know, you, and when you start working on this, you don't have to have the right answer your first go. You don't have to be perfect at it at your first try. So it can be a little back and forth and a little fun and yeah. Yeah. And
0: would you say it would be better to begin on the ground than, with, than to start riding in, and thinking this way? Or doesn't it matter?
1: For that one, too, I don't think it matters. Yeah. I, I love doing things on the ground. I, I feel like I get more perspective on the ground. I can do things a little slower. But, too, if you know someone does read this and give it a try maybe that's when their brain opens up is when they're riding and getting all that good movement in their body. And Mm -hmm. suddenly they're like, Oh, like there's coffee in my mouth. Or maybe they're, they're smelling the hay being mown in the field over. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. And just they're drawn to that awareness and that's when it happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just love that, you know, it. it's a side of riding that just hasn't, to my mind, hasn't been tackled, really. We think very much about feel and feeling the horse underneath us, maybe the reins in your hands. And obviously, we're constantly thinking about sight. We're not necessarily thinking about what we're seeing, but we're constantly using sight. But the other senses kind of get pushed onto the back burner, really, don't they? And Mm -hmm. yet, to have that multisensory feel—for want of a better word—must just be so fantastic. And then, do you do you find that you you have a knowing of what the horse is doing as well?
1: Yeah, i I think many of us have had that like magical moment with our horses where everything clicks yeah and it's almost like we're living in a movie, you know, the yeah. the surround sound and you know the panoramic views and that just magic moment that we're we're living in and experiencing mm-hmm. and i I feel like when you're living in that moment and you're really experiencing it, the the more we can capture that. We're just getting. That really good feeling we're trying to achieve over and over again. It, it gets easier to have more of those moments when you're open to experiencing them.
0: Yeah. And I love in your book, it's you, you're really creative when you're looking through these five senses. Right? You, you get some really super ideas. And one of my favorite ones, and we can't do it just yet, that in the wintertime, was to build a snowman. I love that, and then put peppermints for eyes, and the nose. Yeah. And I thought, wow, do you know? I never thought about that. I never thought about doing anything like that. But isn't that wonderful? You know, you've got yeah. enrichment activity already set up. You just need to kind of ball it up and make it into a snowman. That was great. Where, yeah. Where these ideas and inspirations come from?
1: Just. Being, being a big goofball at the barn, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, finding ways of, you know, being silly. <laughs> That's brilliant. Lovely. So
0: I know you've you've been around horses for a lifetime. Who's been the greatest impact on your journey with horses?
1: My, when I started working at the racetrack, the trainer I worked under was just an incredible person. She was a wonderful horseman. She, she could read any horse at the drop of a hat. And she just, she was just one of those magical people that could just read any horse. But for me, she was just a very good, she, she was a good employer, but mm-hmm. she had the best little phrases. <laughs> and at, at that time in my life, in, in college, it they, they were just the best phrases that kind of, kind of got me serious. Yeah. <laughs> like one morning, I, I come into the barn a little rough and she just like barks in the stall, like, Chris, if you go hooting with the owls, you can't soar with the eagles. How true. (laughs) It's one of those moments like, yeah, I I guess that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, if you don't roll up your ropes at night, you'll get hung by um, them. She she would just have like all these things like, okay, you know, I I heard you.
0: Do you find yourself repeating these things back
1: to other people now and thinking, Oh God. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But she just had this great way of, you know, and we, we had a lot of difficult horses that got sent up there and, you know, we would have quite a bit of two year olds and we would have one not going the way we wanted to. And she would, you know, put the, put the halter on and she would gallop these horses with the halter and then maybe hop off of it and hand walk it around for a while on the track or, you know, she would just really sit and watch horses.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And from her, I learned sometimes you have to just really watch the horse. And that's when training isn't like a schedule. It's not, you know, they have to fit into boxes. Yeah. Horses are individuals. And you got to learn their routine and you got to learn them. Yeah. That was so valuable.
0: Yeah, that's really insightful, isn't it? And you don't necessarily imagine that a racehorse trainer would be somebody who just observed the horses. Like you say, you imagine this fairly really rigid Routine. Get the horses into this routine. Everyone in the same routine. But how insightful of her to just take a step back from all of that. Mm-hmm. So, and we've talked now about your your time with the race horses. But as we said right at the start, your journey with horses covers such a diverse range of experiences how have these varied roles enriched your understanding of horses and horsemanship
1: yeah you know I my first love is the hunter jumpers I I love jumping and you know the nice classic look of the hunters I I've gone Very, very far and away from them. But that is definitely my first love. And I'll I'll never, never regret that time that I spent there in the hunters. Mm -hmm. Uh, But my, I I really love dressage Mm -hmm. and fallen in love with that quite a bit too. And every, every sport, every activity just has, you know, its own philosophies. And they're also beneficial and good and interesting I just love it all (laughs) (laughs) and you've had experience of most of it yeah that's great you know I I also had a blast playing polo that was a great that was a great time but what what was really nice too is you know maybe it was a polo horse that I felt could use a little dressage work Yeah, you know, and and just being able to cross train a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was working with a little contesting pony that would, that developed a behavior in flipping. It would get excited at the gate and it would just flip over on its kid, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was not good. No, (laughs) So I actually started jumping with that horse just to do something a little different. And the next season came and he went back to contesting and there's a nice little 4-H pony. Yeah. So the ability to cross-train with these horses, you know, maybe they need to do something different. Yeah. You know, it's it's really good to kind of get out of their ring to try something else.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So now with your book already published, what do you hope readers and fellow equestrians will take away from the insights and the experiences that you shared
1: in it? You know, when I, I wrote this book, it was, for me, it was just about, it was a journal that I, I wanted to make public, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't sure how many people were going to actually pick it up and read it. And I'm, I'm amazed at the response it's been getting and that people do actually pick up books now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's so wonderful. And you, you, if there's one single message that I would like people to get, it's to have fun with their horse and to have a sense of humor and just a lot of love and fun with their horse because it is it is a journey and there are ups and there's downs but there's a lot of fun stuff that can happen if you're open to having that fun
0: (laughs) definitely definitely well christine thank you so much for opening up a little window on your world for us it, it is such a lovely world i really love it for the people listening the book again is called the five senses of horsemanship it's by christine olson and you can get it on amazon and it really is well worth the read and well worth doing the the mindfulness strategies and some of the other exercises in there they're, they're incredibly fun as you can probably tell from the way christine's been talking about the book and her experiences. Christine, where else can people find you on social media or website? Where else can we get hold of you? The
1: only social media I really keep up with is Instagram. So if you are on Instagram, you can find me on Christine underscore EQ bread. Oh, lovely. Lovely. Well,
0: thanks ever so much once again, Christine. Have you got any other books in the
1: pipeline? I am working on another book. (laughs) Um, I I can't share too much about it just yet because it keeps changing. Okay. (laughs) Yes, but there is something.
0: Oh, brilliant. Well, you will definitely have to come back on and tell us about your next book when it's all finished.
1: Will do. Thank you so much for having me on. This this was wonderful. Oh, thank you.
0: Okay, well, take care. And I hope to see you again really soon. Absolutely. (laughs)